GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Kelly M. Borge. On GBC Television, City Pulse is back. Kevin Ruiz looks ahead to season nine of the talk show. New speakers announced for the International Literary Festival. CEO of the Gibraltar Tourist Board, Kevin Bossino, tells us all things LitFest. LNG bunkering and transport concerns. We hear from the environmental safety group's Janet Howitt. And the Gibraltar Social Democrats will now hold elections of their own. Our news editor, Christine Vasquez, brings us the latest. So, Christine, under the party's constitution, this leadership election, it needed to be held at least within 12 months of the general election. But Keith Asabaradi, he's not wasting any time, is he? No, and um, <clears throat> one can only imagine that he's biting the bullet and getting it over and done with. He has said that it is so the party can concentrate on important work. And I'm sure that this is something that he needs to get, as, as we say, over and done with. He's just had the election have a leadership election, let's see what happens, move forward with a mandate, so to speak. Um, but it must be tough. You know, it was a very intense election. Uh, it was very closely fought, as as you mentioned. So it must be tough going into a leadership election right now. And not just close between the GST and the GSOP Liberals, but also between Mr. Bosino and Mr. Asapardi, just five votes between them. So also very close between the two candidates now up for the GST leadership. That's right. And we don't know what the ambiente within the party is like. We don't know whether there's any bad blood between them or whether um, they're just going for it because that's what they're going for. We did. I did WhatsApp uh, Roy Clinton last night and I hadn't had a response yet and asked him whether he was going to um, contest it because so far we only know Damon Bosino. But we don't know whether there will be other contest, uh, other people mm-hmm. contesting it. And they still have until the 17th of November. So there could well that's, be another name put that's forward. That's right. And there are some rules that um, Mr. Sabari sent in his press release that um, to be eligible for nomination, a party member has to have been a member of the party for two years, be proposed by 20 members and seconded by two executive members. So those are the rules. And we have heard from Damon Mosino will be uh, speaking to him a bit later on today, hoping to speak to him a bit later on today. But he did say that he would confirm that he was applying for the, that he was contesting this election once he was satisfied with the process. I'm not very sure what's happening there, mm-hmm. what exactly he means. I hope to have that clarified by Mr. Mosino later on. Whether he is in fact putting his name forward or not, as far as we're aware he is. <clears throat> or, but he won't what, confirm until he's satisfied. Or what he thinks is wrong or mm-hmm. otherwise w- with the process. What what exactly is it that uh, has made him highlight the, the actual process? Well, with elections now over, the Environmental Safety Group wants to highlight a few important issues, including a recent quayside LNG bunkering operation. The ESG's Janet Howitt joins me now. Good afternoon, Janet. Good afternoon, Kelly. Thank you for coming in. It's been a little while. It has. It's good to catch up. (laughs) Janet, what is it about this recent bunkering operation that's raised concerns for the ESG? Um, Well, LNG as as an issue itself uh, became... Uh, concern for the SG when we changed uh, a diesel power station for an LNG power station that um, was then placed in the North Mole area, so close to residents and all that. So we became involved quite closely then 
on following its evolution and assessments and safety and all the rest of that. So um, we became convinced over time that there was such a high degree of, of analysis and assessment, safety assessments being done outside of Gibraltar especially, um, that, you know, uh, it was just going to go ahead. It was going to happen. It had that level of assessment because um, it, it was... Uh, it was described as a, as an as a as an installation that had been sort of parachuted into an area that was uh, unlike any other sort of similar installation that had residential residential zones and tourism activity and everything so that's why it had so much um attention to detail on the safety standards now and so it had coma status uh, which is obviously you know giving it a hazardous status that's a storage terminal um, at the time when, when there was uh, news coming along and statements being made about, um, you know, bunkering, LNG bunkering, um, we questioned that September 2016, you know, we questioned that publicly, that we were concerned about the terminal being there leading to um, increasing activity in that area, which we thought, in our view, was not uh, a good idea. We would we would try and, and resist that from happening. Because although LNG is deemed to be uh, safer, more sustainable, your concern is is the proximity it's, no, it's to, industry, to the residential you know, area. It's industry, yeah. and so um, with industrial activity um, in Gibraltar, we're very limited in space. So uh, you know we're restricted on being able to place these in external ports or whatever. Um, but that means that we have to be even more careful about how we go about it. So. Um, what we did get was a sort of assurance from government that they had every intention then of of running LNG bunkering in Gibraltar. We already have seen ship-to-ship LNG bunkering out at sea. Um, um, but that, of course, it would, it would have the highest safety assessments and everything. So when we came across this statement by the then Minister for the Port... Um, and I believe Facebook. you, yeah, you came across it on social yes. media, which I imagine was a and, surprise. You know, the first you? thing was like, oh no, you know, because uh, it's the last thing one, one expected to see. And of course, it was being promoted as a very positive step for Gibraltar. Um, cruise ships now are uh, preferring and running on on LNG, for, you know, becoming more and more uh, sort of common, and indeed will not use uh, ports that do not use this fuel. So there's pressure also from the industry for Gibraltar to to conduct this. What surprised us, I suppose, ma- mostly was hearing about this in a as an announcement as a fait accompli. It had happened on Facebook, so that's why we thought that we needed to to come up back with a, a public assessment of our views about this because in the interim we, we did seek additional advice and reassurances and have seen safety reports and assessments and, and know that there's been a lot of work done before this transaction happened. So it didn't happen out of the blue. It just, the news came out of the blue. And what we believe very strongly is that um, even if it is a port practice, that unlike other port practices, this is happening alongside the quayside. So one of the things that we really wanted uh, clarified was that um, it was not drawing um, uh, its product from the storage terminal. We know the storage terminal, when it receives supply, uh, has to be conducted in the sort of hours of darkness with very little activity around. So we needed that clarified. We've seen that, you know, there's a ship alongside, a barge providing this, but where does the barge get its uh, product from? So we think that there's a, a number of questions that need uh, to be answered, and that would happen if there was some form of EIA done, which is why we mentioned the DPC. Of course, the DPC cannot regulate or oversee what the port does, 
But what it does do is look at uh, environmental impact assessments for every other industrial activity in Gibraltar. So this is happening by land, um, even though it's on a ship, still by land. So it should follow that the fullest transparency should be provided. So that's what we want to see is fullest transparency going forward of how they, how government of the port intend to do this to reassure the community um, exactly of what's happening and of the risks and what has been agreed. Do you want more clarity? Uh, well, the new government, which does have uh, five new ministers, of course, have only recently been sworn in. So I suppose now is a time to put your concerns forward. Uh, when it comes to bunkering more generally, what would you like to see? What steps would you like to, to uh, see being taken? I mean, with bunkering in general, you know, um, we still have quite a lot of um, sort of chronic pollution from them on the air and noise front. Um, just the last couple of weeks, people in the south, you know, will will testify to uh, huge levels of noise, particularly at night, from the large vessels uh, drawing their supplies in the heavy winds. This creates a really cacophony of sound just outside your bedroom window. So that's happening. But equally, when you're walking on the seafront, the barges supplying the ships, if the wind is bringing these fumes in, you can't smell fresh sea air anymore. You're smelling the fumes. So we are directly affected by the pollution. So the drive on climate change to ch- turn shipping globally to cleaner fuels is absolutely witnessed here firsthand by the residents who are dragandono this kind of pollution and noise. So uh, I think it's not just ESG, but the community would like to see uh, a swifter uh, move towards cleaner fuels particularly the supply uh, barges too, not just the visiting vessels. Uh, And, you know, we can talk about, you know, green ports and sulfur and this and that, but it's the crude basic day-to-day activity that has to be uh, better monitored. Of course, we then talk about oil spills, what were we doing last summer and for the year before. So um, shipping comes at at quite a high price and quite a high cost. And, uh, you know, the best practice and for climate change the, the greater scrutiny. Of course, we will be approaching the new uh, Minister for Port also directly and share our concerns. Of course, this is run by the port, um, but we will also try and, and get her support in the issues that we that we care about. I'm afraid we don't have too much more time, Janet, but one thing you have welcomed recently is the inclusion of transport within yes. the responsibilities of the Ministry of the Environment. But you have said that urgent action is needed on transport. So what issues, which issues would you like to put forward okay. to the new Minister for Transport? Yes, I mean, this is the problem about issuing both PRs at the same time. I apologise for that. Um, you know, on our on our uh, website, esg-jib.net, we have a list of all our transport concerns in our Wishlist 2019. I urge people interested to go there and have a look at it or email us and we'll send you a copy. But immediately, of course, we're talking about active travel, having having gone through Gibraltar on our streets, cycle lanes, a lot more people cycling. Absolutely. You know, we've, we've supported and welcomed that. But we have also urged, you know, the Minister for Transport in the past to also look at pollution on our roads, idling on our roads, not just, you know, the regular driver, but the taxis, the coaches, the second-hand buses, the fact that um, all these vehicles are, are, are able to run legally because our MOT emission standards allows them to pollute to their year of manufacture. So if you've got a 15 or 20-year-old car or bus or coach, then you're not breaking the law, but you're certainly breaking public health laws. Those laws uh, are the ones that are guiding our buses, our new EU-compliant buses, to follow what are harmful effects to our children, 
ourselves. These irritate, they cause asthma, they cause cardiovascular problems. It's a public health issue too. So there's so much to discuss on transport. We have a meeting actually now being given uh, in a few weeks' time with the minister, the new minister for transport. Of course, he follows and monitors all the air quality issues. So we're really optimistic that we can really take this forward now. The Gibraltar International Literary Festival is right round the corner and some big names have been announced for the two-day event. CEO of the Gibraltar Tourist Board, Kevin Bossino, is here to fill us in on all things Lit Fest. Good afternoon. Thank you for coming in. Good afternoon. Uh, so from actual royalty, Princess Anne, to baking royalty, Dame Mary Berry, uh, what a list of participants. This must have been quite a long time in, in the process no, to, to come up with this lineup. Yeah, all these things take uh, take a lot of hard work, a lot of a lot of planning, but um, you know, once it um, it comes to fruit, it's uh, very satisfying. Um, I think it's been the the um, this program has been going on since I think it started in two thousand thirteen, um, and it's going from strength to strength. There was a gap during uh, during COVID, of course, but it's been going from strength to strength, um, and uh, yeah, very very excited to to. Uh, to see how we, when we can host these people on that weekend. It'll be a, a great, great event, I think. So despite that gap during the pandemic years, it just feels like things have picked up where they left off and then it's just going from strength to strength. Yes, correct. Um, and uh, look, when, when I arrived uh, uh, last year, soon after that, we had the fir- the, my first experience with the Literary Festival. And uh, I've got to say, I was incredibly impressed the, um, the, the, of the, quali- the quality of authors that we had. Um, it, and 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 this time round, I think we are equivalent, or even even uh, you know, notch it up a bit um, because of our the, the you know VIPs that are coming. Um, and um, I think uh, you, you you know we we, we try and get a, a broad um, broad broad stroke, you know, in, in terms of the the experiences um, of of the authors, the type of uh, genres that they. Uh, that they uh, that they have. Uh, so this time, for example, we've got uh, p- uh, politics, uh, we've got uh, youth, um, we've got uh, people with personal experiences, personal challenges. Uh, we have um, fictional authors. We've got uh, non-fictional authors. So all in all, I think we've covered quite a big, uh, quite a broad spectrum of, of society. I know it's a long list of names, <laughs> a long list of speakers, yeah. but can you give us a bit of an example of some of those perhaps that you're looking forward to, some highlights to, to watch out for? Well, well the, the one that seems to have uh, um, been sold out like um, like within Excuse minutes. Excuse the pun, but like hotcakes. <laughs> like hotcakes, <laughs> yeah. correct, is, uh, is Mary Berry. Um, unbelievable. I mean, the, the reaction has been incredible. Um, and yeah, got sold out uh, quite very, very, very quickly. So, in a, in a, a bit, it's a bittersweet because we want as many people as possible to to um, uh, to experience her. Um, but yeah, it was a real surprise to how how uh, um, enthused people were yeah. to 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 get in and buy the tickets. I mean, I read the story about her coming on the eight thirty morning news on radio, and by the time I, maybe like an hour later, they were completely sold out. Mm-hmm. And some people have been asking whether it's possible for her to do two sittings. I don't know whether that's an option, but I know some people have been calling for it. Yeah, we've been trying to bend over backwards. We're trying to 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 extend her stay, but. Um uh, she's got commitments. She she's an elderly lady as well. So um, um, you know, she so far uh, the answer is that she can only do the the one day, unfortunately. Uh, but we're working to see if there's any other options um, to 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 you know to to make sure people can view her at least. But um, 
Yeah, but apart from that, um, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, a, a great youth uh, program as well, um, where uh, some of the schools will be involved as well. So um, all in all, um, I think I'm pretty happy with, uh, with the calibre of people we're getting. Hate to put you on the spot, but if you could choose just one speaker that you're looking forward to, to seeing the most, who would you choose? Ooh, last year, I remember, I um, because of course we were hosting the event, so we were attending by default, and um, and I saw uh, um, the, the the ones that I could see, and I was pinching myself because I was thinking, I wish I had time to see them all. So I can't really pinpoint any one in particular. You can't quite enjoy it because you're all, you're on the job. You're yeah, because my, my yeah. interests are, are, are very um, are quite widespread. I'm I, I'm not an expert in. I don't like to to sort of like uh, focus on one particular st- subject. I like to cover as much as possible. So when it's uh, you know discussion about the about the Queen, whether it's a, a discussion about the history of colonialism, whether which we have, whether it's uh, political, the you know political discussions. I'm oh, um, even cooking. Um, I'm not really the best of cooks, but uh, having seen the reaction, I think I better go on on <laughs> on online and, yeah. and and check it out. Mm-hmm. A very diplomatic answer. I won't press you for one name. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Covered all your bases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and of course, apart from speakers who are coming from abroad, we also have some local speakers on the lineup, don't we? Yes, we have uh, Richard Garcia, which I think is uh, he needs no introduction as a historian. And his book is about uh, Bishop Rapallo, who's uh, the first uh, local bishop we had. Uh, so again, that will be uh, they'll give you a, a local spin to the to the whole thing. So yeah, yeah, all in all, very very interesting. Uh, you mentioned earlier that the festival that's been established now uh, in such a way for so many years, it's almost become easy, right, to entice big names to the rock. Ne- well, yeah. Maybe not easy is the right word, but it, not it, easy. Not easy to organise, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, but easy to entice them to come because, um, I, in fact, la- I remember last year when uh, we had uh, some of the authors. They they came. They experienced Gibraltar and they absolutely fell in love with it. And um, and in fact, they actually uh, there was this particular author who actually came back. Uh, he he booked his trip with his son uh, on his own accord. And um, and the wife booked the trip with the daughter um, who, who came this year um, because they loved it so much they wanted to explore Gibraltar more and the, you know with a bit more time a bit more leisurely because of course I suppose uh, they don't have too much time whilst they're here I suppose that no. they've got to make the most of of their trip whilst they're on the rock but they might not have as much time as they'd like no, to see Gibraltar and what we have to offer yeah correct we I mean it depends on their timing you know the arrivals and departures but we try and host them as uh, best we can. Um, and uh, I think they really enjoyed what they, what they saw. But they saw, they, they also realised that they, you know, what they saw was just a surface of what's available in Gibraltar to experience. So uh, they they were left with a feeling that we, you know, we've got to go back. We've got to go back and show the kids what it's all about. So lots to look forward to. Is it the the seventeenth and eighteenth of November? That's there's right, a, yeah. there's a date. Yeah, mm-hmm. two days of of uh, speeches and events to look forward to. How can people buy their tickets? Uh, if you go on, on online to the um, uh, visit Gibraltar or buy tickets, uh, you can uh, find some all the information you need there. And if Mary Berry is anything to go by, it means that you need to be quick. Yes, the 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 the, the sales have been pretty healthy. As uh, Mary Berry is a good example, there's still some some available for the others, but uh, but yeah, they go pretty quickly. So uh, I would say get on the get online quickly. City Pulse is back. Presenter and producer Kevin Ruiz joins me now. Hi, Kev. Hello, heartbeat. <laughs> Como estamos? I I'm can good. say it. On a scale of one to ten, just how, how thrilled are you? 
Off the charts. Off the charts. So Off a the solid chart. 12. Yes. And <laughs> who better than you to know? Because when it comes to City Pulse, it's a whole process, isn't it? And you sit across from me in the newsroom and you see me most days, eight, ten hours, long, long days here. We go through our moods. We go through our patterns. It's a we challenge. We live through the process with we you. We live through the process. <laughs> I hate it. I love it. De todo un poco. And, and when you say you hate it, together. it's just because you put everything into this show and you yeah. not only present it, you don't just, just turn up on the night and, and speak to the people, but you produce it and you very much put your heart and soul into it. So I think um, I, that's I like why think sometimes... It's not, hate, it's, it's not a hate, it's just... The investment, it's the like investment. el coraje, el, el, exactly. el way, no? And then what and happens? Uh, the ya, guests might have to cancel ya, because they're ya, ill. Aquí arriba. You're high. Yes, because um, everything's coming together and this year I've got the feeling it's going to be a super season. Um, because we keep on growing, we learn from previous seasons as life is, no? And vamos aprendiendo, we grow, the show grows as well. We like to think we, we feed the show. The show is like a little kid and it's been growing and it's You're nurturing now, it. Yes, and now it's in its ninth season, no? Um, and you've been involved in all nine seasons. That's you've, right. You've uh, been the main presenter for seven, seven years. Of those? It started as um, a, a program fathered by, we call him the father of City Bus, Jonathan Sacramento. Started the first two seasons, and I was a regular contributor back in the day. Um, I was more on more often than not with Jonathan, and I was very lucky and blessed. As soon as I joined GBC full time, I inherited the show from him from the third season. And this is actually my seventh season as presenter producer. And like you say, it's lovely to see the process has grown as well, no? People know it, um, people talk to you about it, um, people tell you what they like, what they don't like, the different aspects of the show. And it's that, no, as well. It, you, you, it's building a show up and constructing its identity, it's branding its identity. And, and people very much now see those traits that make the show. No, they really mark and, and, and make the show stand out. And um, over the last seven years and nine, if we include Jonathan's uh, first two seasons, we've included so many stories, a wide range of stories, no? Um, reflecting community life, life as it is, life around us, como la vida misma. And it's a wide range of stories. I think we... I, we I have a little audio. Yeah, let's have a listen. So, and he didn't believe me, so my mom had to take the phone from me and say, Peter, que va a tener and all you could hear was silence. I had to think of something drastic. And that meant leaving Gibraltar, leaving my family and moving into the Chinese mountains. I'm looking for a job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, who are you? I said, yeah, where are you from? I said, from Gibraltar. He said, oh, I've been there. Because we come from Gibraltar, it's a small place. Nobody believes that you are able to be up yes. there. If I don't die from this overdose, I know my, my mother is going to be there when I wake up. And... That gave me a lot of hope. No? My sister was a really good help to me. Mm -hmm. She's an amazing woman, my sister. You know, she really, really helped me out. You know, it was like I took two overdoses in my life. It all comes from observing people mm -hmm. and listening to people. You know, the way that they say things and what they go on about. And and then all of a sudden you get washing machine or swimming lesson <laughs> or something like that dropped into the into the you know the conversation. It's like, what language is that? Wow, so from triplets and raising them to Chinese mountains to overdoses, family connections, the Janito language, so many different topics are covered, so many different personal stories, over Kev. 100, over 120 guests have already sat on the sofa and opened up their hearts, to be honest, because they're telling us about uh, very personal things, very personal experiences, um, some, some of, uh, you know, difficult to tell, 
and people have come on live television to tell their story. Um, Very difficult. I mean, even doing uh, an interview that isn't on a sensitive topic is difficult at the best of times, never mind really uh, pouring your, your heart and soul out there li- live on television. Live on very television brave. Well. 120 very brave people. Yes, very, very brave. Like that blessed. Um, I mean, I, I, I re- I've just heard that clip and I remember every single show, the run-up to the show, the conversations with, 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 with the guests, no? And like you say, it's a full flavour of life. Stories of adversity, resilience, triumph, success, life journeys, anecdotal episodes. Because también hay mucho Vitor Rey, Waseo, Cachondeo as well. Um, fun and some episodes like, um, uh, you, you know, just like um, those isolated episodes in life as well, which stand out because they've helped you grow or, or they've uh, been a realisation point for you. Or, and people are just sharing them. And, and the lovely thing is now people know the show. So when I call them up or when they get in touch with us, the message or what they tell us, they subscribe to <clears throat> the ethos of the show, no? which is like sharing a story in the hope that uh, in doing so you can maybe guide, help or inspire another person who might be out there listening. no? And we've had a number of very successful stories. Um, I, I won't go into the detail for, for fear of identifying people but we did have one which was a medically related episode and um, a person came on the show a number of years ago told us about this condition explained it and there were two parents watching the show that night and um, the day after broadcast they rang me up and it's like we're watching the show last night and we we're wondering because we've noticed things in our child which this person was talking about so we think we might explore this. So they did. Um, and uh, prompted by the show, I mean, because that person came on TV to share their story, this person got identified with the medical condition in time for people to be able to, to do stuff and, and, and treat it. So well, well the done power for these of public television subjects out there. and that is the value that people bring to the show people sharing their journeys. It's not about, el coto, you know, el being chimoso. It's about, you know, telling your stories with a purpose because you might be able to help someone out there. And I imagine as difficult as it is and you may have to convince some guests sometimes to come on, I imagine not one guest has regretted their interview afterwards and probably is probably found it quite therapeutic in a way, no? um, speaking out like that. Totally. I mean, that's, that's what they tell me after the show. And... Um, I've got this thing where after each show, especially with the more sensitive stories, I like to keep, I, I keep in touch with, I think, most of my guests. And um, I especially keep in touch with those who share very sensitive stories. And that's what they tell me. One important aspect, Kelly, because I know we're running out of time. It's uniquely done. It's a, a Janita flavor, of course. So people uh, can freely express themselves in the way they uh, are most comfortable with. That's a, a big uh, sello de identidad mm-hmm. del programa, yeah. ¿no? And also we've got that chit-chat, uh, the community talk, the issues about town, which we're discussing with our contributors. We're bringing a few new faces on board this year. And in the coming weeks, we'll be introducing a number of new elements as well. Okay, lots to look forward to. That's starting <laughs> at 9.30 tonight, live, of course, from the GBC studios. And just very quickly, uh, one of the new elements you're bringing in is uh, live audience phone-ins. You're really well, inviting people into the conversation. Yes, we're hoping to heighten that engagement. We've got a few ideas in mind. I'm hoping in the next few weeks we'll be able to bring back the phone-ins Older viewers to GVC might recall those phonings. It's something we're working on and I'm hoping to launch that in the next few weeks as well as other engagement forums. And yes, we'll also have um, studio audience, but not for every episode, for selected episodes. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. 
We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.